It is good to worship. Welcome to Grace this morning. I'm Mark Fesmeyer, if you haven't met me, and I'm glad that you're here. Um, I'm really excited to uh, share with you this morning because I feel like God's been saying something. I got a chance to listen to Jim's message last week. In case you didn't know, we do record these, so you can go to our website and find um, the message from the previous week. And I really loved what Jim had to share last week about not losing heart. And we all know how easy that can be at times to lose perspective. But what was interesting to me was Jim took us to a passage that the Lord, before I listened to it, had taken me to as well. And it's that passage where Paul talks about all that he went through. You know, how many times he was shipwrecked and beaten and in prison. And you think, why did you not just give up? I mean, at some point, don't you say, hey, this is enough. But he didn't. And Jim gave us some great help in thinking about how we focus and worship, that that's a part of that. Well, it's interesting because where we're going to go to in Second Timothy today is Paul talking about his life to Timothy in a way that gives us a little richer perspective on what was going on. And it's going to actually dovetail with what Jim shared with us and go further. We're going to see more of how uh, Paul lived his life. And, and that's why I'm calling this living well. How can we learn from that and live well? So that's what we're going to talk about. Could you just pray right now and ask the Lord to kind of clear whatever is on your mind and help you focus on his word, and then uh, we'll dig in together. So you just pray, and then I'll pray for us. Father, we thank you that this is your word and your spirit works through it. So would you just teach us this morning? I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before we dig into the passage, I, I want to just kind of get you to think a little bit. Because how do you make a life? You're here this morning because of a series of activities that you've engaged in. And if you've done any of the reading um, by a guy named David Allen, you know that he, div he divides activities into two basic types. There is deciding and there's doing. So you wake up on Saturday morning and you, you wake up and you make a decision. Am I going to get out of bed or am I going to stay in for another hour, right? There's, there's, a, there's a decision in there and then there's an actual doing it. Okay, I'm actually going to get out of bed. Or... I've got a list of things I could do today, and you think about it and go, no, I'm going to go hiking instead. And have you ever noticed on a day where you make a list, like, okay, these are the three things or five things or 25 things I want to get done today. Have you ever noticed on that day you tend to be more productive because you've done the hard work of deciding and then you've got a list, and so then you just do it. You just get into production mode, and you get it done. Well, why am I talking about that? Like, what does that have to do, possibly, with what Paul has to say? Because the question becomes, how are you going to choose well? Like, as you think about deciding things, how are you going to do it? We all know when we've made a bad decision. We know we've had situations like that, or we didn't think at all. 
So how do we choose well? And that's where this comes in mind. You see, we are surrounded by a world that does not recognize God and does not recognize truth. So there's basically two general worldviews. There is a biblical worldview, a view that places God in the proper place and teaches and explains truth from that perspective, and there's everything else. Now, there's all different kinds of ideas that don't agree with each other in a worldly view, but it's opposed to a scriptural view, and it gets really confusing because the world around us will tell us things like this, like, well, that's true for you, but that's not really true for me. That's impossible. If it's true, it's true. And if it's true, it's consistent with God because he lives in reality, not in fantasy or make-believe. So we have to think about our thinking and we have to recognize that truth is where we want to make our decisions from. And so we have to make kind of this, this thinking. So I stumbled across this, actually I got it in an email, and I love this paragraph because I think sometimes we are squeezed into the world's thinking. That's why Paul says, don't be conformed to this world. So just, let me just read this to you. One of the most important effects of embracing a deliberate, self-conscious Christian worldview and losing the sacred secular distinction, you know, like the world and the church are different, like there's different truths there. Sacred secular distinction so many Christians have absorbed from the world around us is seeing the depth and breadth and the width of the lordship of Jesus Christ in every sphere of life. Once we see life this way, our understanding of serving Jesus is radically reshaped in light of, and I love this part, the unassailable, undefeatable, and advancing kingdom of God. Like, God wins, and we can't forget that. So I saw, so let me just give you a little tidbit of a picture of this. So do you know who Jane Goodall is? Jane Goodall was the woman who lived with the apes, and she's a famous scientist. She has come out and made this statement. I think intelligent design makes sense. Now, that's not because she's become a Christ follower, but she looks at truth. Your cell contains billions, that's with a B, billions of pieces of information. And she looks at that and says, that can't just happen. So kids, have you ever played Yahtzee? You know what Yahtzee is? You know you have six dice and you roll them? How hard is it to roll once and have them all come up the right numbers? You know, it happens, but not very often, right? Imagine that with a billion dice. You roll a billion dice and they all come up exactly right. See, this is where I'm saying we don't have to be afraid of the truth and we can't allow this fuzzy thinking to creep in. So... That's why how we think is so important. Okay, that's all the setup for this verse. Paul is talking to Timothy, and he's been dealing, writing to Timothy, and he's been dealing with false teachers. They're they're teaching things that aren't true, and they're living lives that are kind of taking advantage of people. They're essentially ripping people off. And so this is what he says, or writes to Timothy. He says, 
You know me, like in contrast to these false teachers. Now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings, such as happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of all of them the Lord rescued me. Now, I've been thinking about this list all week, and the more I think about it, the more fascinated I am by it. Because, let me put it up in a, in a chart form, so read left to right. It starts with teaching. It starts with truth. Why did Paul live the way he did? Because he proclaimed the gospel. What is the gospel? It's what we sang about this morning, what Jesus has done to set us free. It's about what Jesus has done to make us into new creatures. But it's also about our destiny. It's about the future. It's about how things are going to work out. So it follows then as he taught, it would lead to a different kind of conduct. He would live his life a different kind of way. And, and you could compare that to the false teachers. He actually practiced the things that he taught. That's actually good in a teacher. And then he had a purpose. He was purposeful about his life choices. If you read through the things that he wrote, he had a purpose to know Jesus Christ. He had a purpose to make Jesus known. He had a purpose to take the gospel where it hadn't yet been preached. He had a purpose to, um, uh, I forgot the third one I was going to say, but that's okay, we'll move on. And so those things led him to having a confidence in God. When you act on the truth, you grow in your confidence, and that confidence it led him to patience. You can be patient with people when you have confidence in God. You don't have to demand that they be perfect. And that leads to love, which leads to perseverance, and then you get to persecution and suffering. And the reason I'm fascinated with this list is it doesn't work the other way. If I asked you to sign up for a life that involves suffering, you would go, oh, why? Like, why would I sign up? Like, I'm just going to give you suffering and persecution and difficulty. No. But if you start with the truth of where we're headed and what's going to happen, and you get to live in that and proclaim that, then this progression moves forward and you see it. So let me just put it up this way. Truth, when we embrace truth, it will lead us to making good choices. And as we make good choices, we're going to lead to confidence and faith and confidence in what God is doing. We're going to see it at operating in our lives, and that's going to make for this character of patience and perseverance and endurance. So as Paul is talking to Timothy about this, he says, this happened consistently. You know, in other words, he's saying, you saw it at Antioch, you saw it at Iconium, you saw it at Lystra, and you have to contrast this with the false teachers who were ripping people off and making money. And you kind of have to contrast that with some of the gospels that are out there that God wants you to be wealthy and healthy all the time, 100% of the time. Like, that's not what the scriptures say, because if you look at Paul's life, he wasn't flying around in a Learjet. Just saying. 
And he says, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You can expect this. Don't be surprised if you try to live your life for Jesus Christ that there are going to be people around you who won't like it. But the wrong choices are worse. And so what Paul tells us is that these false teachers, it's going to get bad. It's going to get even worse. And their lives are going to demonstrate that they are deceived and they deceive. So do you see what Jim said to us last week about losing heart? Paul had this rooted teaching that shaped his life. He understood what was truly the case for the universe, for the world, for where it was going and what he was doing, and he had a message about that, and that led to a different kind of conduct that led to a purpose. He was purposeful. So how do we, what do we do with this? Well, I want you to think about how you make your choices. See, you can't make a choice that's not in your head. If you go to a restaurant and they tell you that they have Coke and Sprite and water, you're not going to pick Dr. Pepper because they don't have it, right? If you don't have an idea in your head, you can't go there. Like if you, You're never going to plan a trip to a place you've never heard of. Doesn't, it, it can't happen. So you have to think about what fills your mind because you're going to make your decisions based on that. So the first thing you need to do is you need to pursue truth. Where are you getting your information? Paul's saying this in the context of false teachers. Who your teacher is, an import, is important. And I'm not talking about like me or the, or the teachers at Grace. You are being taught all the time. Social media is a teacher. What you see on TV is a teacher. Much of what it teaches is not true. So you have to pursue truth. And then you have to remember it and live in it. Okay. So you know my wife, Kathy, loves the Cubs. And you know that in 2016, they won the World Series, right? Well, they played a seventh game, and it was on late, and it was very tense. So my wife didn't watch it. Or she watched part of it and then went to bed because there was other stuff going on. So, a week ago, it's on YouTube now. You can watch the whole game. So we said, we're going to watch it because we can relax and enjoy it, right? Okay, it's going to be fun. So we watched the game, and then we started laughing at ourselves because when the Indians went ahead, we were getting nervous. We know who wins! Like, why are we getting nervous? We know who won, but we found ourselves getting like worked out. It's like, this is crazy. So think about the truth of the scriptures. We know who wins. Like that phrase I read you before, the unassailable, undefeatable kingdom of God. Why are we ever nervous that God is somehow losing? What, what are we thinking So pursue truth. Secondly, act on the truth. Remember, Paul was patient. 
he didn't expect things to happen all the time. So I have a great news brief to read you. I got this, I heard about this this week, so I went looking for it. This is a press statement. It is from the atheists in Kenya. And it was regarding the resignation of the atheist in Kenya secretary, Mr. Seth Mahinga. This is the press release. This evening, regretfully, the secretary of the Atheists in Kenya Society, Mr. Seth Mahinga, informed me that he has made the decision to resign from his position as secretary of the society. Seth's reason for resigning is that he has found Jesus Christ and is no longer interested in promoting atheism in Kenya. We wish Seth all the best in his newfound relationship with Jesus Christ. We thank him for having served the society with dedication over the last one and a half years. The position of secretary of the society has been rendered vacant. We are calling upon Kenyan atheists who would wish to join our executive committee to send their CVs to info at atheiststhink.kenya.org. So why are we thinking God loses? Why aren't we being patient with people? Why don't we see the potential for the kingdom of God in their lives? Act on the truth as you model what it's like to have hope and confidence in God. People can be transformed. I love that. <laughs> and then worship. Worship is so important. Isn't it good? Wasn't it good to worship this morning? Wasn't it good to sing God's praises? That attunes our heart back to where God is. I just encourage you to spend some time with this list. I know it's a list, but I encourage you to spend some time with it. I love the contrast that Paul makes between his life and the false teachers, and I think there's a lot we can gain from kind of reflecting on that journey from teaching to being able to endure difficulty. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you so much that we have truth. Lord, we thank you that you want us to live in truth. We do not need to be afraid, and we do not need to be fearful. You have called us to walk in truth. We pray, Father, that we would pay attention to the things that we are receiving. We would reject things that are false and that we would embrace things that are true, and that would allow us to live this kind of lifestyle that Paul lived, where we have purpose, and we have patience, and we have faith, and we have love. Lord, we ask that that would be the, the way our lives would be described as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.